Gracious God, as you, as Father, you send the Son into the world by the Spirit to redeem us back to you. Continually teach us and lead us and be our good shepherd. So Holy Spirit, come through your word and my words that you continually point us to our Savior Jesus in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Question, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Come on, be proud. And I'm curious, how long did you keep it? Yeah. How many made it past January? A few. Good, good. I'm really proud of you. Good, good, good. Yeah, it's January 19th, so I figured now's about the time we're all feeling guilty if we made one for breaking it, right? Why, for those of you that didn't last very long or even, you know, lasted somewhat, why in the end, if you have ever made a New Year's resolution and then it ever, uh, you never kept it the entire year or very long, why did it fail? Uh-oh, I'm, I'm going to cut Bob off there when, when, when the answer starts with my wife. <laughs> Maybe it was a bad resolution. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why they fail. Uh, one of them, which is going to point us towards what we're going to look at today, is, is that often, strangely, in our lives, doing good things is hard, right? Doing the right thing is hard, but, but sometimes the wrong things or things that aren't good for us can come really easy and naturally, right? Things that are good for us, exercise, can be a challenge, right? Hard, hard to fit in. But boy, a, a Netflix binge on a good show, I mean, you, you, you have hours in your schedule for that, right? Or uh, eating kale, not so easy, but eating pizza, no problem. You, know, you can always pack in another piece, right? And it's far easier to gain weight than, than lose it, right? There's always this sort of internal resistance to many things, good things we try to do or good things for us, and yet bad things, man, they just seem to come easily. So why is it? Why is it so hard to do the right thing or, or even just start a, a healthier practice? Or, and why are things that are harmful to us and, and even harmful to those around us, why are they so attractive sometimes? Like, why doesn't kale taste like bacon, right? That, that, would, that, would, be a, that would be good, right? But then we might like kale and not bacon. I don't know. Why is it easier to say that biting mean comment than to bite your tongue and hold it in? Well, I, I don't know all the answers, but we do need to acknowledge that there is something to, uh, to temptation that we all face, that, that good things will be hard and right things will be hard, and somehow we're, we're easily tempted by a lot of things, big things and small things that aren't good for us and aren't good for others and hurt us and hurt other people. And at times, we have to admit that life is a struggle. And we always, often don't want to admit that. We wish things were, you know, were easy and the right path just you know, cleared open for us, but it's just not the case, is it? We don't always, I don't always want to do what's good or what's right, and often I want to do what's bad for me. So I think on a baseline in our lives, and especially then in our spiritual lives, there is a very real struggle. And on some level, that struggle involves good and evil. Now, maybe not everything, you know, we struggle with is, uh, is spiritualized. I don't want to over-spiritualize, but it is very real. And it goes on our hearts. It goes on every day in our hearts. 
And thankfully, as we look at Jesus, he has already experienced every temptation we would ever face, and he has defeated every temptation we would ever face, and he gives his perfect record to you. That's what it means to be in Christ and to trust Christ. And so today we're going to spend one of two weeks on the temptation of Jesus, because it's the very next story after last week's. We're going to start following through in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, so we're going to talk about the first part of the story and not really get too far today. And then next week, we'll pick up more of the specifics of the three different temptations. But today, we're just going to answer one question with three answers. But one question, and here it is. Why are we tempted? Why are we tempted? And there's three good answers in this story we're going to pick out. And also, also of course, what, what do we do then? What do we do about it? Why are we tempted? What do we do about it? So to answer that, we've got to go back to Matthew 4 and the scriptures. So Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. By the way, that's Judean wilderness you see up on the screen. To be tempted by the devil. There's a lot in that verse right there. And the first thing that answers why are we tempted is this. Evil is real. Now I realize that's not a popular belief today, but I think it must be stated. I believe it. Evil is real. It's not popular today, especially in the West. So you go to other, other cultures, not a problem believing that evil is real. But in the West, we're, we're very not inclined to think that's a thing. And, and so many people think the idea of a real personal evil is, uh, is either quaint or even absurd. By the way, if that is you, glad you're here, and I just have a couple thoughts for you, and the first is this. Just look at any news, you know, local, state, national, international, and just see the horrible things that we as humans do to each other. And it's hard to conclude. It's just me on my own uh, coming up with those things. I, I believe there's a, there's a real personal evil behind that. Or just look at the last hundred years across the globe. Over 100 million people have died by war or genocide in the last hundred years. So if you think we're getting better and better as a culture and society, we're actually not. There's more, actually more humans in human trafficking and slavery today now than at any point in human history. I believe God created everything good. And God wants good for his world and for his people and I believe there's also a real personal evil that wants to undo God's goodness. So Jesus says in John 10, he says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants to give you life. A number of years ago, a journalist interviewed, now deceased, but uh, then Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. And this agnostic journalist was trying to play a bit of a, a smart, snide gotcha because uh, it was, it's known that Scalia was a very faithful Catholic. And so he was trying to give him a gotcha by, in an interview saying, do you actually really believe in the devil? And uh, Scalia basically said, uh, he wasn't really caught off guard, but he wasn't expecting that question either. But he basically said, yeah, I do, and you should too. He said, just because you're smart and I'm smart, it doesn't make our opinions true. He, said, there's, he goes on to say, there's a whole lot of people 
throughout a whole lot of history who are a whole lot smarter than me and you, and they had no problem seeing what's wrong with the world and concluding that the devil is real. So that's the first reason of why we're tempted, is evil is real. devil is real and wants to ruin God's good blessings. That's the first thing. Okay, what's the second reason why we're tempted? Back to Matthew 4. But, as I said, there's a story that we looked at last week that's right before. So you've got to hear the verse right before Matthew 4.1. Or two verses right before. As Jesus was baptized, said the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and rested on him. And a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. And the devil came to him and said, if you are the Son of God. So Jesus was baptized. We talked about that last week. He stands in as one of us, doing all the things that we need to do. He didn't need to be baptized, but we do. He becomes our sin, takes it on. And then he's commissioned by the Father and the Spirit for ministry. And that voice comes from heaven, the voice of the Father that says, This is my Son. And then immediately from that, you might say, spiritual high moment, next verse, sent to the wilderness, tested, tempted by the devil. So baptism and temptation go hand in hand. Jesus is baptized, then he's tempted. Isn't that the same for us too? Our baptism and temptation go go hand in hand. How often do you have a, a... high spiritual higher great experience only to be wrestling with some deep stuff that you thought man I wasn't I beyond that or wasn't why am I still wrestling with this or being tempted by this so often our battle spiritual lives are like that as well baptism and temptation go hand in hand for Jesus and for you so the second reason what's the second reason we are tempted it's because we are baptized it's that plain and simple Baptism and temptation go hand in hand. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have a temptation target on your heart. So if you trust Jesus, you should expect temptation, large and small. And a lot of the time we end up surprised about it, like, why am I dealing with this? Or why are things that I know aren't good for me look good to me? And and why am I feeling drawn to these things that that aren't good? When you are baptized, the devil puts a target on your heart and you will be tempted. Now, I don't know what shape that takes in your life. You know, it can take many things from greed to lust to gossip to unforgiveness to revenge to worry. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that you will deal with it as will I. If you're human, you'll deal with temptation. If you're a Christian, you'll really deal with temptation. So, how then is Jesus first tempted? How? So that comes from the way the devil talks to him. He says, behold, a voice, this is uh, at his baptism, he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased with him. And then, four, one, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry, and then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. So, Three verses apart, he hears the voice of the Father saying, you are my beloved son, this is my son right here. Three verses later, are you really that son? If? Really? Jesus hears the voice of the Father, this is my son. Then the devil says, if you are the son, are you sure? 
prove it if you are. You see, temptation for Jesus and for you and me always begins with doubting or being tempted to doubt something true about God. Now, Jesus in his humanity, yes, is tempted. In his divinity, he's able to resist in ways that we aren't. The temptation always begins with doubting something true about God. The devil deceives. That's how he's called that in Scripture, the deceiver. Are you really the son? So every temptation you face and I face, and, and every sin that you and I indulge in, it, before we did anything, before we acted on anything, we first began to believe something untrue about God. That's it. It always b- begins with believing something untrue about God. We doubt God first and then act on it later. The very beginning of the scriptures, Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, the devil comes to them and says, did God really say? biggest tool is deceiving. Oh, that's not really true. Let me show you something better. So temptation and sin, whatever they look like in your life and my life, and the way it always begins with us doubting something true about God. Okay, uh, what do we do then? What do we do about this? You see, the most powerful tool is the flip side of that. If, if the most powerful tool that the devil has against us is to have you doubt something true about God, the po- most powerful tool we have to fight this is to remind yourself what is true. Remind yourself that you are a beloved child of God. That's why we use language and say things like, remember your baptism. What we mean by that is tell yourself again and again and again that you are a child of God. And it's not, it's not because you're good enough and you've earned it and you've deserved it. It's because you are baptized into Christ's name. You are given all of his forgiveness. You are assured of eternal life. It's a done deal. You belong to God. And now God wants to lead you in his truth. So resisting temptation or resisting the devil or evil, it begins with not listening to the lies and start listening to God, the true voice. Because God looks at you and me and our baptism and says, you, my beloved daughter, my beloved son, I am well pleased with you. God loves you enough to send his son for you, and his son Jesus already resisted every temptation. And so every time we aren't faithful, Jesus was. And Jesus kept his faithfulness all the way to stretching out his arms on the cross because he loves you and he wants to gather you into those arms again and again and again. So the biggest tool the devil has is to get you to doubt how much God loves you. And the biggest tool you have is the crucified and risen body of Jesus who loves you enough to die for you. And in your baptism, he has put his name on you and even comes to you in his table in his body and blood to feed you again, to forgive and to renew and strengthen you. So do you know what that means? It actually means that if you and I were completely secure in our identity in Jesus... Temptation wouldn't be appealing. It wouldn't. If, if we were completely secure in what Jesus had done for, for us and who we are in Jesus, it just, nothing would appeal to us. We would want God's will all the time, and we would love God perfectly and then love our neighbors as ourselves perfectly. If we were totally confident in our identity as baptized, forgiven, blood-bought children of God, temptation wouldn't tempt. We would know God's truth. We would trust it and do it. So when... We are tempted. Step one is to tell yourself 
I'm a baptized child of God. Jesus, I'm yours. Help me. And, and before you get to any, people often want, you know, like five easy tricks to solve every problem in life. But the fact is, any resistance to any, anything not good for us or any temptation, it begins with hearing the voice of God tell you that you are God's beloved child. So that's two out of three. Why are we tempted? First, uh, I believe evil is real. Second, it's we are baptized. That's why we'll experience it, but it's also the cure that we are baptized. What's the third? What's the third reason we are tempted? Well, temptation, the word in the scriptures doesn't always mean tempted to evil. It, it can also simply mean testing. And so you'll find some Bible translations even here say Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tested. So if it's testing also, it can mean both. Why do teachers give tests? They give you an opportunity to demonstrate your learning, right? And to grow, and to mature. And if you didn't have, nobody likes tests, but if you didn't have tests, would you study hard enough to actually learn the material? Not me, <laughs> right? So nobody really likes tests, but they're kind of unavoidable, uh, and they help demonstrate your learning and grow you and, and mature you. Does God allow tests in our lives? Yes. Why? God allows tests in our lives to, yes, demonstrate our learning, but to grow us and mature us so that we'll be stronger and strengthened in faith so that we are better able to serve others and help others. So the third thing is, why are we tempted? It's actually to strengthen you. It's tested. Why are you tested? To strengthen you. There's a real interesting thing that happened back in the early 1990s. Scientists in Arizona constructed a mini version of the Earth called the Biosphere, or Biosphere 2 was the big one. And they tried to simulate desert, ocean, rainforest, all the uh, climates in the Earth. And then eight scientists were sealed inside for two years to see if they could survive on just whatever they had in there, say to grow their own crops and do everything, and then hopefully come up with new learnings from their experience, their new scientific learnings. Well, one thing that they didn't expect to learn was that trees started growing faster inside the biosphere than they would out in the wild. And then they also found that those same trees wouldn't completely mature. Before they could uh, mature, they would start to collapse and break under their own weight. And so later it was found out that the cause of this was the lack of wind in the biosphere. So in an artificial environment, without enough wind, there was no way for the trees and the branches to get stronger, and so they just broke and died. So when plants grow and trees grow in the wild, wind constantly keeps them moving. You look out all the winter wind and see how many trees, yes, some branches do fall off, but how many trees are swaying in the wind. The cause of, uh, the wind causes stress on trees, but then what happens? To compensate, trees grow, they grow thicker and stronger and, and even what's called reaction or stress wood in, in positions to make them stronger. Or that's also why plants and trees contort strangely to get the most sunlight. You see, Stress, testing, wind is what makes a tree strong enough to sustain the wear and tear that they'll face later in life. What about us? 
the tests that we face are the ways that God strengthens us. And yes, we're connected to Jesus and his word, uh, and so we can withstand, but you get strengthened by testing. And so whatever wind of testing in your life that makes you sway, it might be hard and it might hurt, and maybe a few branches do fall off, but it's what drives you back to Jesus. And just like a, a tree moves shape to get into the most sun, we shape our lives so we get connected the most to Jesus, the Son of God. So why? Why are we tempted? First look at, at this story. One, evil is real. Two, we are baptized. And three, we are strengthened by Jesus. So that means no matter what temptations or what tests you face, Jesus has already faced them for you. And he is a forgiving, loving Savior. And so when you and I fail, he will always forgive you because his blood and his love do not run out. But when you are tested, Jesus will sustain you and he will use them to grow you stronger. Just please keep listening to his voice. Amen.